everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When I was in high school and college, I weighed about 250 pounds and was the big one among my peers in the football team. I had a career-ending knee injury at the beginning of my junior year and couldn't ever play football again. So I hit the books hard, got my degree in accounting, and never looked back. My name is James, and I'm an accountant. Anyway, I was happy with most of my life. As you'd imagine, I drag home a buttload of cash, and I have a nice home and a beautiful wife who loves me. So, what's the problem? Remember my weight in high school and college. Well, at 35 years old, I was in the prime of my life but I tipped the scales at close to 430 pounds. I was a heart attack waiting to happen. It was only a matter of time. My wife, Sarah, had been putting pressure on me lately to do something about my weight. Mostly, I just half-heartedly tried whatever she suggested. None of the fitness plans or diets worked, and I tried them all. I cut out nearly all of my carbs and simply replaced the calories with more meat, but I still gained weight. It got to the point where I was eating like a cow a day. I was better off eating the carbs. Not to mention the fact that eating all of that red meat caused my blood pressure to spike. Then one night, it all changed. Sarah and I were having intimacy, and I just gave out and collapsed on top of her. She literally couldn't breathe with me on her, and it just went downhill from there. We started arguing about my weight as usual, and she finally told me, that until I lost at least 50 pounds, we wouldn't be having intimacy anymore. I left the room and slept in the guest room that night and left for work early the next morning. I hoped that when I got home, it would be just another argument that blew over, but it wasn't. Sarah had gone online and found me a weight loss boot camp. The camp lasted for a month. She told me that it was probably the best thing for me and she was tired of being married to the fattest guy in the neighborhood and it was embarrassing for her. I looked at the brochure she printed from the internet and called them. I processed a payment right then and arranged to leave as soon as possible. She asked if I was actually going, but I didn't say anything to her. I just headed to the bedroom to start packing my clothes and a few things. It'll be great for you to lose some weight. You'll be healthier and you'll feel better. The month will pass like no time. I'll call you every day, she said. On my way to the guest room, she said, We're not angry at each other. It's over. Why are you sleeping in there? I answered, But you said we weren't going to sleep together again until I lost five pounds. She replied, I said we weren't going to have intimacy again until you lost it. Anyway, I didn't really mean it. I was just upset, 
I think she realized that she had hurt me pretty badly and was trying to make up for it. But getting away from home for a while just seemed like a good idea at the time. In the days that followed, I made it known in my place of work that I'll be traveling just so I could work on myself, but that I'll be working remotely and my performance won't be affected. Early in the morning on the scheduled day of my departure, I got into my car and drove to the airport. I flew to Tucson and the dry heat of the Arizona desert to start the camp. For my first three weeks there, I was doing my usual bit when it comes to fitness. I spent most of my first week getting my internet and computer system set up to allow me to work while I'm there. The next week, I started actually viewing what was going on there. I say viewing because I didn't actually participate in anything. I just watched and laughed at some of the things they expected us to do. In terms of the food, I use the meals they serve us as an appetizer and order pizza or burgers and have them delivered. The delivery people even know that to get a bigger tip, they just have to meet me on the access road that the campers use for jogging. I sat at the picnic tables and eat the food and then go back to camp. So after being there for nearly three weeks, how much weight did I lost? I'd lost minus six pounds. Yep, that means I was actually six pounds fatter than when I got there. Well, that all changed a few days later when I got a message from an old friend of mine, Steve. Anyway, Steve had just gone through a messy divorce just over a year ago and was getting his life back together. He wasn't really looking for another wife yet. He just wanted to mess around and play for a while. He texted me that he's been out on a date at a club with a woman who was way too young and too wild for him. And he thought he'd seen Sarah there with another guy. So he'd gone over to see if it was her, and yes, it was. She was out with a guy he'd never seen before and was letting the guy put his hands all over her. He'd taken a few pictures because he knew that I wouldn't believe him or that I wouldn't want to believe him. I looked at the pictures and I knew that he was right. It was Sarah. I recognized the one-of-a-kind necklace I'd made for her when we went to Mexico the previous year. That text changed my whole reason for being at the camp and it changed my life. I spent the next day taking stock of my life and decided what I wanted to change. I was a really nice guy and I have, like I said, a great life, but there were a couple of things that would need to be changed. The most important one was that I really did have to do something about my weight and self-image. The other thing could wait until after that was over. So the following morning, I went into the camp office and sat down with the director. I told him that I needed to change my life, so I signed up for the three-month intensive program that they reserve for people who are nearly morbidly obese. I started right away that morning. I went out for a walk in the desert with one of the training groups. It was an easy two-mile walk at a very slow pace. It was supposed to help speed up our metabolisms and start us out burning calories before we ate breakfast. I laughed at the thought of it because back in high school and college, I used to run about four miles a day at a very good pace. That was my wake-up call. It made me realize how far I had fallen and that this wasn't high school. I might have felt like I was still that big-toned athletic football player, but I wasn't. I struggled to finish the two miles, and near the end, I couldn't keep up the pace. There were a couple of 50-year-old ladies urging me on and telling me I was doing great as they passed me with a half-mile to go. When I got back to camp... I was bathed in sweat and had trouble walking. My knee, the one I'd injured playing football, actually hurt. As I entered the cafeteria, 
a lot of the people I'd befriended at the camp called me over. They were mostly shocked at seeing me all sweaty. They were also as big a bunch of scam artists as I was. I went and sat at a small table in the back, alone. If I was going to do what I now had my mind set on, I didn't need any negative influences. For breakfast, I had a half a glass of orange juice, a piece of toast, a half a cup of fresh fruit, and two slices of low-fat turkey bacon. I was still starving when I finished, but I had truly decided to change. After breakfast, we had an hour to do as we pleased before our first workshop. I used my hour to contact a private investigator to get me the info I needed on Sarah. It wasn't something I relished or looked forward to, but it was just something I had to do. I needed to know how far she'd gone with that guy and whether or not there were others. I loved Sarah, and upon reflection, I guess I could understand what she was going through. Depending on how far she went with this guy, there was a chance that maybe we could get past this. As I went to the workshop, this time I actually listened to the speakers they'd lined up for us. I heard stories from former campers who'd lost a great deal of weight and had successfully kept it off. In some cases, they'd made great changes in their lives and most claimed it was all because after years of struggling with their weight, they'd found one thing or one person or one incident that gave them the focus and the reason to change. I realized that finding out that the woman I loved more than anything was cheating on me had been my motivating incident, but that I wasn't changing for her, I was changing for myself. I'd always had women through high school and college, and since then I had Sarah, so I really didn't need to look at myself. But the thought of losing her made me realize that I needed to change some things about myself. Almost as soon as I got out of the workshop, my phone rang. It was Sarah making her daily call. I hadn't spoken to her for the previous two days since I'd spoken to Steve because I had been too hurt to even speak to her. Hi, honey. Where have you been that you haven't answered the phone? I've missed you so much, she said. I told her I've been trying to both work from this place and lose some weight at the same time, so it's been tough. Well, don't worry, you'll be home in two days, and it'll be over, she said. I responded, No, Sarah, I haven't lost 50 pounds, so I'm not coming home yet. She answered, James, that was just an arbitrary number I threw out there when I was pissed. I miss you. I want you to come home. I don't care if you only lost two pounds. I've got what I wanted and you are seriously trying. If you really want to lose weight, now that you're serious about it, you can lose weight at home just as easily. I answered, No, Sarah, a deal is a deal. I won't be home until I've lost at least 50 pounds, maybe more. In my mind, I'd keyed on her words that she'd gotten what she wanted. She probably should have said who she wanted. She continued, Don't be so stubborn, you can lose weight at home. Besides, I've been thinking about some things and I really want you to come home. I finally said, Sarah, my mind is made up. And it's really difficult for me to work and lose weight at the same time without totally immersing myself in the lifestyle here. So we'll have to call less frequently until I'm done. I'm doing this for both of us. I don't want you to have to be embarrassed by me anymore. I see now how awful it was for you all of this time being followed around by some disgusting fat slob just because he loved you. She responded, I never should have said that. I was just angry. I hung the phone up and got into some sweatpants and a sweatshirt for our morning exercise class. 
I went to the gym and looked around. I got in line in the front instead of the back. I wasn't going to hide anymore. The trainer that day was Debbie. She was a very no-nonsense trainer. She had never spoken so much as a word to me since I'd gotten there. I had seen her sneering at me a few times, but we'd never spoken. Even as I lined up in the front row, she was looking at me as if she wanted just the force of her glance to push me to the back so she didn't have to look at me. We started out with stretches and reaching exercises. Not only could I not touch my toes, I had trouble touching my knees, but I tried really hard. Before we had finished the warm-ups, we hadn't actually done any real exercises yet, and I was already sweating. Then the embarrassment began. We started with light leg lifts, lifting our knees to supposedly waist height. When we got done with those, I was bathed in sweat, and Debbie was looking at me with laughter in her eyes and an evil smirk on her face. We did arm lifts, and she kept us doing them until I couldn't pull my arms up anymore. But I kept trying. We got down on the mat for still more embarrassment. In my prime, I could bench press over 200 pounds, but that day I failed to do even one push-up. I was able to do one sit-up, but I collapsed after it. Debbie's smug look followed me as I left. I went and showered before lunch. After lunch, we had another hour off. I went to the clinic and got my knee looked at. I had a very slight strain and they wrapped it up for me. The exertion of the morning's walk had just pushed the muscles surrounding the joint further than they'd experienced in a long time. The doctor told me to ice it for a couple of days and I'd be fine. I could even still walk on it the following day, but he didn't advise me trying to overdo it. And that was my pattern for the next week. I ate only the meals we were served and refused the desserts. I also skipped most of the snacks unless I was absolutely starving. The first five days were absolute hell. I know that I was the butt of several jokes and a lot of laughter. But after the first three weeks I'd spent there, I deserved it. But I was proud of myself. At the end of my first week of really working at it, I'd lost eight pounds. I got my first report from the PI at the end of that first week as well. He had pictures for me. Some were from a restaurant that Sarah had gone to with the guy, and even a recorded conversation with him. Of course, there were also pictures of her going into a motel room with him, and from the length of time they stayed in the motel, it was very obvious what they were doing. The funniest thing is that her having sex with him didn't hurt me nearly as much as hearing some of the things she said about me behind my back did. The guy had asked her what made her finally decide to give him a chance after he'd been after her for months. I hadn't heard anything about that from her, so she'd been keeping secrets from me for a long time. She'd apparently known this guy from her college days, but they hadn't actually gotten together until recently. She told him that she was just tired and embarrassed by me, and that I was too out of shape to even satisfy her anymore, so she'd sent me off to camp so she could try out a real man. Then she asked him how he hid what they were doing from his wife. He told her that like her, he wore the pants in his family and his wife did what he told her and didn't question him. I was so hurt by this revelation that I decided that there was nothing left of our marriage to salvage. So, my mind was made up. In my second week of real training, I picked up the pace of the morning walks. In the afternoons, I started swimming laps or pool walking. I also started doing some of the skill-building activities like archery and fencing. 
I needed to pick up a few hobby-type activities that would allow me to keep busy when I left the camp. I also hired myself a good divorce lawyer. I explained what was going on and how I discovered it and arranged for him to get reports from the PI as well so he'd be up on any and all developments. I asked him to get the papers ready to be served even though I still didn't have an end date in sight yet. By the end of my first month of real training, I was a new man, or I was closer to being the man I'd been. I'd lost almost 40 pounds, and I felt better than I'd felt in years. My routine was different as well. I usually got up earlier and jogged three miles instead of the morning walk. I always did Debbie's exercise class, but now it seemed like she no longer looked down on me and had actually begun to smile and greet me in the mornings. The biggest shock came one morning when I completed my 10th push-up out of a set of 15 that we tried for and found a sudden weight on my back. I pushed as hard as I could and got another push-up in. I looked up to see Debbie pushing down on my back to add resistance. I was able to handle most of my work responsibilities from the camp as well. I had also made a list of friends and associates, and during my daily meditation sessions, instead of meditating on motivating myself to lose weight, I examined my relationship with most of the people I knew. I realized that for a long time, a lot of them hadn't been actually laughing with me about my weight. They'd been laughing at me. By the six-week point, my weight had actually hit a plateau. The weight was still coming off, but at a much slower pace. I had lost just over 60 pounds, but I was no longer able to maintain the roughly one to one and a half pounds per day that I had previously averaged. I remembered back in school, my coach would have us do two a day if we came into preseason workouts out of shape, so I added a second longer run to my daily schedule. This run was more challenging, and although my knee and my age would never again let me run as I had in college, I enjoyed it and I started to run a little further each day. Sometimes when I got back, if I still had the energy for it, I'd go to the gym and lift weights. There again. I was taking it easy and counting on my memory of what I'd done when I was younger to get me through it. When I first started, it was embarrassing. After years of telling people about my 200 plus pounds bench presses, I struggled to bench 100 pounds. Another thing that was a shock to me was that as I made progress, it wasn't consistent. I got my bench up to 100 pounds and then couldn't lift it again for over a week. My legs were also very weak. The knee injury simply wouldn't let me do squats or a lot of the other heavy leg exercises. The same thing happened with a lot of the exercises for my back. Anything I had to do in a standing position was limited by the weakness of my knee joint. But I got better slowly. The pain in my heart just didn't seem to be going away though. One night, I was trying to put up 170 pounds and the first rep went up pretty easily. I struggled with the second rep. Common sense should have told me not to try a third, but in my emotional state, common sense was not my strong point. On the way back up, the bar got much heavier, and I just couldn't push it up. I pushed with all of my might and was trying to think of a way to wriggle out from under the bar when I felt someone grab it and start pulling it back up. Together, we managed to get the bar back on its stands. Well, that was intelligent, James, said Debbie. You barely made the second rep, so what made you think you could get another one in? Did you know that it is against camp policy to be in the weight room alone? Do you understand why now? I said, I'm sorry, Debbie, it won't happen again. 
and thank you for saving me. I know it's just another thing for you to laugh at, so enjoy telling everyone how you had to help the fat slob again. I left after that. If Debbie had any further scolding or complaints, she held them, and just let me walk away. The next day after breakfast, I started looking into some of the workout rooms to see if there was another exercise group I could join. There was a yoga class and a Pilates group that I'd never tried, but I decided to try the step aerobics class. It looked like it might be fun, and there were a lot of women in the class and very few men. I was just about to go in when I heard a voice behind me. I'll be really hurt if you go in there, James. I turned and saw Debbie standing behind me. She was dressed for class as usual and staring intently at me. For today, why don't you come to my class like you always have? Then I'd like to talk to you after class. Tomorrow you can do whatever you like, okay? She held out her tiny hand, and I nodded my head and took it. We went back to her workout room and did her class. Take a shower and meet me back here, please, she told me. A half hour later, I was standing in front of the workout room waiting for Debbie to return. I didn't know what was going on with her. She probably wanted to give me another chewing out about the dangers of working out alone and how it violated the camp's safety rules and could lead to a person being expelled from the camp. She was probably going to tell me that it was her duty to report me to the camp director. Whatever it was, there was no way it could make me feel any worse than the news I'd already gotten that morning. I'd heard from my PI that Sarah had brought that guy she'd been seeing back to my home the previous night and he'd spent the night. I was still mulling over how I was going to handle Sarah when Debbie showed up and wiped her from my mind totally. Debbie, despite her drill surgeon manner, is very petite. She's probably about 5'2 and has inky black hair and gray eyes. My favorite thing to see is when she turns and looks at her class over one shoulder and that hair obscures one side of her face so that only one of those eyes looks at you. It's as if that eye is looking into your soul to find out if you can make just one more rep than you thought you could. Her chest, while not huge, are sizable and really determine what kind of clothing she can wear. They alone are the reason there are so many guys in her exercise classes. Her classes are tough, but most of the guys prefer them to the easier classes just so they can ogle her. Her ass is another story. It isn't huge, but it's tight and firm, so tight in fact that I'm positive you could bounce a quarter off of it. Word around the camp is that she's probably a raging lesbian, but her classes are full anyway. When she showed up in a loose-fitting sweatshirt and jeans, I was surprised. I'd never before seen her with these kind of clothes on. She had her hair pinned up on top of her head and huge sunglasses on. That outfit on a normal woman would have been great for a trip to the mall or running errands or doing yard work on a lazy Saturday afternoon. But on Debbie, it just opened up a whole new world of fantasies. It made her look more human, maybe even vulnerable. She smiled at me and nodded her head towards the exit. This confused me because I thought we were going to talk. She began, Relax, James, you're not in trouble and you won't be in trouble. I just wanted us to talk, and usually when I want to think, I get in my jeep and drive out into the desert. It clears my head and just makes everything better. By the time I get back, I've either solved my problem, or it just doesn't seem as bad as it was before I left. Maybe it's just stress relief. Maybe it just lets me put things into their proper perspective. 
but it seems to work somehow. And James, whether you know it or not, you've become a problem for me. My heart sank at the words. This was just great. I become a problem for her. Shit, I had enough problems of my own without worrying about some other woman hating me. She led me out the back to the staff parking lot and a black Jeep Wrangler. I got in and had to hold on, since she immediately took off as soon as the door closed. We drove down the highway for a few moments, and then she just careened around a corner onto an unpaved road that I would have missed since it was unmarked. We sped through a few trees and hedges that became sparser the further we drove until suddenly there was no vegetation and we were in the desert. Arid sandy ground spread out in front of us all the way to the mountains in the distance. She put the jeep into four-wheel drive and slowed down a bit as we plowed down the now uneven and still unpaved road surface. She seemed to know where she was going, so I just held on. Finally, we got to the edge of a medium-sized canyon and she pulled up the parking brake and got out and wandered over. She looked out and seemed to relax, as if gathering herself. Then she turned to me and gave me the high beams. James, what the hell is going on with you? When you first got here, you were just another fat, spoiled rich boy who didn't take the place seriously, so I didn't take you seriously. You had your little conference calls, your late-night pizza runs, and you hung out with all the rest of the class clowns. We see about a hundred guys like that every year. You come here overweight and out of shape, and maybe if you're lucky you lose four or five pounds, and then go back home and tell everyone how tough it was. Some of them make a ritual out of it and do it every year. But then something happened and you changed. I don't know why and I don't know what it was, but you became different. The first day that you showed up for my class and stood right up front, I was sure you wouldn't last ten minutes. In fact, I tried to get rid of you, but you gave it everything you had. You left there dripping with sweat, and I was sure this change wouldn't last, but I was intrigued. Over the past few weeks, I've watched you undergo an incredible transformation. You've not only lost an incredible amount of weight, you've gotten yourself into very good shape. You're to the point now where you're barely overweight at all. You don't even look like the man that came here. This was something I'd never expected. It seemed to be some kind of backhanded compliment. And coming from Debbie, it was shocking. She continued, You probably don't know this, but when the changes started to happen, I changed as well. I went from being sure you wouldn't last to being your biggest cheerleader. I watched as you started your nighttime desert runs. I also watched as you started lifting weights at night as well. That's why I was there the other night when you overdid it. Most people who've lost half of the weight you have, even when they haven't gotten into nearly the shape you're in now, find themselves fulfilled and happy. They're more confident they've done a great thing, and they're proud of themselves. In the ceremony we're having next month before the camp closes for the season, you're going to get several awards, but don't tell anyone I told you that. But you don't seem happy at all. It's almost backwards with you. Most people come here sad and depressed because they're overweight and people make fun of them or whatever. They lose some weight, they get happy, and they go home more confident. You were happy when you got here, maybe a little angry, but you were confident and secure. You worked your ass off and made more progress than anyone I can remember. You look great, but you're so much sadder and more withdrawn now that it makes me sad as well. 
You used to sit in the back and laugh with those clowns, and you were happy. Now you've inspired so many of both the campers and the staff, but you run off and work out even harder alone. James, I know what people around here think about me. I've heard all of my nicknames, and I really don't care. For me, being here is just a job. It's my job to help people find it within themselves to make the changes in their weight and their health, nothing less, but also nothing more. I urge them to change. I provide an example for that change, and I help them to work out. Some of them get it, some of them don't, but it's never personal. It's only a job, but somewhere over the past couple of months, you became less of a job and way more personal to me. That's why I snapped at you the other night, because when I saw that bar coming down on you, it scared the shit out of me. I thought you might have gotten seriously hurt or worse, and in the back of my mind, I thought that maybe you wanted to. I looked at her and I was really shocked. I reached out and hugged her. She seemed to need to talk, so I just listened. She told me about her life, and it was nothing like I'd expected. She'd started out competing in gymnastics, but she didn't have the short, thick, muscular body that the average competitive gymnast has so she got injured more frequently. There are also drugs and cocktails that a lot of the girls took to delay the onset of breast development and widening of the hips. She didn't take them. So very soon, she was falling in the rankings because as hard as she worked, she couldn't compete with the girls who were doing the drugs. They also seemed to be more injury-resistant and had more energy. After a while of spinning her wheels, she decided to simply give it up, which was very hard on her but she moved into a different sport. She'd always been pretty, so she decided to give fitness competitions a try. It wasn't quite like being a bodybuilder, but it was close. But the emphasis was on femininity and grace other than outright muscularity and size. She was good at it. But then again, the drugs reared their ugly head and far worse. In a lot of cases, the women who won the competitions and got the endorsements were actually giving the sponsors and the judges a few side benefits. Men had always looked at her even when she was a gymnast, but here it was almost as if it was expected. After she was nearly assaulted and saved only because she was screaming so loudly that the security team came in, she gave up fitness as well. She went back to school, got her degrees in exercise physiology and kinesiology, and started a career as a personal trainer. She's been working at the camp for the past six years. After all of that, I felt closer to her than I'd been to anyone in a long time. So, I told her about why I'd come to the camp. I told her about my wife, Sarah. I told her that Sarah had just been embarrassed by me and wanted to send me away so she could cheat on me behind my back with someone in better shape. Well, she won't be embarrassed by you anymore, she said. The next time she sees you, she'll be all over you. I said, nope, the next time she sees me will probably be in a divorce court. I kept trying to see things from her point of view. I had to admit that I'd let myself go, and she had been totally right to want me to be in better shape, but the way she went about it, and the things that she said about me really hurt me, and they made me question whether or not she even cared about me. But the cheating is just the last straw. That was the deal breaker for me. The other things, maybe I could have forgiven after a while, but I'll never be able to trust her again. That night changed a lot of things, and from then on, I still did Debbie's class every day, but she pushed me even harder. 
A lot of the guys were jealous as hell when I did my push-ups with Devi lying on my back. She even went out and ran with me at night sometimes. We never did anything outside of the bounds of friendship, but sometimes when she looked at me a certain way, I got tingles. At home, things were getting ugly. According to the PI, Sarah had broken off her affair with her old college friend. Apparently, he'd only been interested in her for sex. He'd been practically living in my house spending several days a week there, and I guess even his wife was beginning to complain. The final straw had been when he and Sarah had started arguing. She'd been trying to break things off with him because the dirtiness and the thrill of it had passed, but he didn't want to let her go. She started calling me more frequently to find out when I'd be coming home. She began leaving me messages about how much she missed me and loved me. Since the camp would be closing down for about a month at the end of the season anyway, I knew I'd have to go home soon. Debbie and I went out shopping because I needed new clothes. After losing nearly 140 pounds, none of my old clothes would fit. While I was out shopping, I saw something that I'd always dreamed of but could never have, a bright red 2009 Mustang GT in a car lot across from the mall. I went onto the lot and looked the car over. The door was open, so I sat down. I was shocked. Over a hundred pounds ago, I could barely fit in my shitty car, but now I could easily get into and out of a car that I just loved. I found a salesman and started the paperwork. As soon as he ran my credit and I arranged a transfer from my account, I drove off the lot in my new toy. Debbie followed me back to camp in her Jeep. I made a few phone calls to my PI and my lawyer informing them about the upcoming ceremony and to make sure the papers were ready and to get them delivered to me at the camp by a messenger. I called Sarah and told her that the camp would be ending on the weekend and they were having a ceremony for the families and friends of the campers. She told me she'd be there and she sounded excited about seeing me again. I told her not to get too excited, that this may not be a happy occasion for her. She responded, James, over the past few months, I've realized that looks aren't everything. It's far more important to be with someone who loves you and supports you no matter what they weigh or how they look. So even if you've only lost one fucking pound, it's time for you to come home so we can move on with our lives. I love you and I miss you. I've had a lot of time to myself to figure out what I really want and what I really need in my life. I miss my big, strong teddy bear of a husband. With that, we ended the conversation. She had no clue I was aware of her infidelity, so she kept acting like all was normal between us, and I didn't say anything either. Over the next few days, I did several more significant things to alter my life and my job. Some of the things I did, I kept secret even from Debbie. Debbie was an entirely different story. She seemed to get needier and clingier as the ceremony approached. The night before the ceremony, we had dinner so I could thank her for all of the help and inspiration she had provided. She actually held my hand for a while as we talked. She started, so I guess our time is over. Soon your wife will be at the ceremony, and you can go back to Ohio and either put her in her place or divorce her. The only thing I could say was, yes, I guess I missed the sadness in her tone because my mind was on other things. We drove back to camp in silence. There were a lot of things that were unsaid between her and me. After a short while, she broke the silence. 
I know that you've been far too honorable a man to even think about starting up some kind of a relationship while you were still married. But is there any chance that you've made up your mind about whether or not you're going to take her back? I guess what I'm asking about is the possibility that someone might just send me a plane ticket to Ohio sometime soon. I responded, Debbie, we've always been honest with each other. And whether or not you know this, I have really deep feelings for you. So I'm not going to start lying now. I can't say if there would be any plane tickets to Ohio or anywhere else coming, but that is not a bad idea. She nodded her head, and I didn't see her again until the ceremony. The next day was strange for me. I got up early and went out for my run alone. I guess for most of the campers, the weeks or months of working out and dieting were over. But for me, running had become a part of what I am. So just because I didn't have to do it didn't mean I'd skip it. After the run, I looked for Debbie and couldn't find her anywhere. A couple of the staffers said that she was holed up in her living quarters and not feeling well. I'd also heard that Sarah was looking all over the complex trying to find me. As a joke, I went down to the auditorium and looked for her. I saw her and passed right by her, but she didn't recognize me. I then looked around to make sure the messenger was around and sure he was. I met with him and told him I was going to signal him when the right time comes, so he should be on the lookout for me and he agreed. Once the ceremony began, everyone went into the auditorium. I got a really great treat too. I actually saw Debbie standing not too far from Sarah, so I got a chance to compare them side by side. It was like comparing apples to oranges though. Sarah has short blonde hair and a tall thin body. She isn't nearly as fit as Debbie, but she's thin and pretty. Debbie, on the other hand, has just heart-stopping beauty, but is shorter. Debbie was talking to someone, apparently about me, and Sarah overheard them and freaked out. She stalked away from the table and went and sat down. She saw me looking at her and I smiled at her, but she turned her head away and I laughed. She obviously thought I was just some random guy trying to flirt with her. For the past months, She'd been dating and ducking her old married college buddy, Thomas. She'd taken him to my house and ducked him in my bed, but now she was too pure to have a stranger smile at her. Well, life. As the ceremony continued, every time Sarah heard my name, she turned trying to catch a glimpse of me. Finally, I was called to go up onto the stage to get my awards. I got one award for most pounds lost in a one-month period. I got another for largest overall weight loss, and the last one I received was for most inspirational camper because I'd come in totally out of shape and had not only lost a lot of weight, but had improved my fitness and my lifestyle and provided an inspiring and motivating example for everyone around me. As I spoke and looked out over the audience, I noticed that Sarah was sitting on the edge of her seat. She was clearly agog at my appearance. She really couldn't believe it was her fat-assed husband on the stage. I was asked to say a few words if I did. I gave some inspirational talks about my journey and the source of my inspiration. I also acknowledged Debbie and asked her out on the stage so everyone could see her and so I could officially thank her. Everyone in the audience and on the stage reacted and cheered as she got up and came onto the stage to join me. If looks could kill... The glance that Sarah gave her as she walked past her would have been fatal. Debbie shook my hand as I hugged her for several pictures, and then the director had a few final words, 
and everyone adjourned for the dinner that followed the ceremony. A few minutes after nearly everyone had left the room, Sarah came storming towards me and Devi. She started, No wonder you wanted to stay up here for so freaking long. You just wanted to betray me with this woman while I waited at home for you. I said, Sarah, at this point, Debbie and I are only friends. We have nothing going on. So before you start making a fool out of yourself, you should probably be quiet. I'm sorry, baby, she said. It's just that you look so good. You're so slim and so different. I was jealous. I've been alone in that house for so long, and I've been so lonely waiting for you. I can't wait to get home and try out the new you. I asked, so you've been alone and lonely? In response, she nodded her head vigorously. I then asked, showing her a photo of her in a restaurant with Thomas on my phone, so who is this you're out with? She responded, oh, he's just an old friend from college who I ran into. He's nothing. I snapped, he's something, and he's the reason we're getting a divorce, Sarah. I know all about him. I know that you actually started up with him before I left. I know that being with him is the reason you really wanted me to come to the camp anyway. I know that you were just too embarrassed to be seen with the fat husband who loved you with all of his heart and soul, but also because you wanted to be with someone with a better body who could satisfy you. Yep, I've even got you on record saying it, so don't bother trying to lie your way out of this. I also know and have pictures of you taking him into my house. That really was our home, Sarah, and you had intimacy with him in my bed, so there's really nothing else to say here. As I turned to leave, I gestured to my lawyer's messenger, who immediately stepped up and handed her the divorce papers. She began to plea, but James, we can talk about this. It's over, it was just a fling, just a mistake. I ended it myself because I really did miss you. I came to my senses and realized that I do love you and you love me, and we have more in common than anyone else I know. The only thing I didn't like about you was all of that fat, but it's gone now. I responded, Well, Sarah, I guess we both came to our senses. I realized after I found out about your fling that I really didn't want to be married to someone who was embarrassed by me. The thrill of being married to you was gone when I heard all of the things you said about me. You're right about one thing, though. We do have a lot in common. You were embarrassed to be seen with a fat guy, so you sent me away. I'm embarrassed to be seen with a cheater, so get to stepping. She responded, We can get past this. Just come home. We'll talk. We'll go through counseling. We have too much history to just throw away. I answered, It's already settled. We live in a no-fault state, so the judge will insist on a 50-50 split of the assets. We have no kids, so we have nothing to dispute. Our home represents 70% of our net worth, and I'm leaving it to you. That means you've gotten a better settlement than the courts would give you. Just walk away, and we'll both come out ahead. At least you're better off than I am as I'm currently homeless. She started crying. But where will you live? Why don't you stay with me and let me make this up to you? I replied, You haven't cared about me since you first started your little affair, so I don't know why you care now. But I refuse to stay inside that house again with you, that's why I gave it to you. I'm starting my life all over again with someone who won't be ashamed of me. I lost over 140 pounds while I was here, but you lost a husband who would have loved you forever and a great home 
and the family we could have had, all because you wanted to have fun. My weight was really just an excuse you used to have your little affair. So, if you ask me, you're the real champ here. After saying that, I walked away and left her standing there. The only contact I had with her after that was through our lawyers until the divorce was over. Although, I did receive a phone call from her dad, telling me how miserable she was and asking me if I consider coming just for a visit to clear the air. It forced me to tell him the details of our breakup and what she'd done. I told him if he needed proof I could send him pictures, audio, and even video. Hearing that, he just told me to have a nice life, and I graciously took his advice. Sarah didn't cause any trouble during the dissolution, and it went without a hitch. Although we do keep in touch once in a while, but it's nothing serious. Debbie and I eventually acted on our feelings, and we became a couple. We both have a great life, and all of my family, friends, and colleagues were shocked at the changes in my body and my life. They all love Debbie and tell me often that I did the right thing. I'm glad we found each other. Sarah sold the house and moved in with her parents. She later found herself a man and is piling on the pounds. I sent her a brochure for the fitness boot camp I went to. I really wasn't trying to rub her face in it. I was genuinely trying to help her because it worked for me. I even offered to pay for it for her. After all, if she hadn't been so embarrassed by me, I and Debbie would never have met. Sadly, she declined. But I guess everyone is happy after all. Thanks for listening. Like, share, and subscribe to the channel to listen to more stories like this. Take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.